Amen. As I um, was doing a little Bible study thing and with my son this morning, um, it's a Lectio Divina app by 24-7 Prayer, and they have a little one for kids as well, and we, were, we listened to that while we have our breakfast. And the passage for this morning, and which I'm going to talk on this morning, was the passage that was spoken on. Um, so Justin Welby is doing a 10-day sort of prep for um, Pentecost called um, Thy Kingdom Come, and was, this was the reading for today in First Peter. So um, just to introduce myself, for those who don't know me, my name is Mark. I'm originally from Moira, for my sins, and I'm married to Abby, and we have a wee 11-month-old wee fella who's keeping us busy at the moment, and I look after the kids and youth stuff here in the parish. Um, I don't know if anyone in the church today is um, engaging in No Mo May. Um, We are doing this this year as a family, um, and it's just an exercise, very simply, where you don't mow the lawn for the month of May to help bees and sort of wildlife um, for the month of May after a long winter um, get sort of um, more nectar and things like that and helps birds to thrive because there's more insects about and it's just um, a bit of a fun activity for families to do. I enjoy it for two reasons. Um, Number one, it helps wildlife, um, encourages wildlife in in our garden and plants to thrive and also I don't have to mow the grass for the month of May. Um, which is pretty good, and I was just thinking it'd be great if there was a no dishes December or a no laundry washing Wednesdays or something like that, but uh, unfortunately that doesn't quite happen. But three, three things I've observed about no mow may, and our grass is quite small, so it's not, it's not too difficult to manage, but our garden is really vibrant at the minute. There's lots of daisies and dandelions, the grass is growing really well, um, and there's also lots of weeds about as well. But another thing is there's some plants that are popping up that I've never actually seen before in our garden. Um, there's bright yellow poppies that have just popped up in the middle of the garden. And they're um, Welsh poppies. I think they're a wildflower. And they've just arrived in our garden. We've not planted them or anything, um, but they're there. The second thing is um, it invites animals into our garden, some insects and bees and things, which uh, my wife is afraid of. And the th- third thing is um, it's going to be a lot more hard work in June to get everything back to normal again. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about no mome a little bit later on. This passage today in 1 Peter comes after um, Peter talks a lot about um, God's salvation, and it's about how we together can grow to be more like God and to be um, the church that he's called us to be. And let's walk through it together. So if you have a Bible, um, you can open it with me um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, or if you've got a phone, you can um, open it and and walk through it with me as well. Um, A a physical Bible doesn't take as long to load. Um, So here we go, um, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So the chapter opens with the therefore, and so we'll look what, what is the therefore therefore, and it, it's because in chapter one, Peter has talked all about the gospel and the good things that Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross. And in light of the gospel that Jesus has died for us, that we have new life in him and that we can live new lives now and forever because of that, then we choose to live differently and we choose to get rid of these difficult things in our lives, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. And why? Because if we want to grow, then we need to get rid of the weeds in our lives, and we need to get rid of those things that are going to stop us from growing to be more like Jesus. 
In verse 2 and 3, it goes like this. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so in the same way as a baby craves um, milk, I don't know if you've ever um, had too much experience with uh, brand new babies, but when a baby craves milk, you know about it. Um, They're going to let you know. And in the same way, we should be people who crave spiritual milk from from Jesus. And just like Alistair was saying earlier, that is um, the spiritual disciplines, but particularly um, God's Word. Justin Welby said today um, in this wee Bible study that, that it is God's word that we thirst after and that we want to seek. And how amazing um, to grow in it together as we um, have read through the Immerse readings this last couple of months, in the last six months together as a church. Um, I don't know about you, but I find some of the passages quite difficult and quite hard to wrestle with. But I find myself growing in God's word because of it, as we've read the whole New Testament and the first five books of the Bible together as a church. It's been amazing. And then he goes on to say that you may grow into your faith. And I think that's a really interesting phrase to say. Um, You know, we as Christians believe that if we follow Jesus and we decide to make him the savior of our lives, that we are then saved in Jesus, that we don't need to accomplish anything more, that no more task can make us right with God. But at the same time, we know that we need to grow to be more like Jesus. And so the idea that we were saved that we are being saved and that we will be saved is what Peter is talking about here. So we were saved. At one stage in our lives, we decided to give our lives to Jesus. And if you haven't decided that, then I really encourage you to think and pray about that this morning. But we decided to do that and to follow Jesus with our lives. And so God has counted us as righteous. But at the same time, we are being saved. We're not perfect people yet, and we've got lots of things to to deal with in our lives and to wrestle with. And so Jesus is making us more like himself. And one day we will be saved and that we won't have to struggle with this sin and shame anymore. And the darkness of this world will be gone when Jesus returns or when he calls us home. We recognize this goodness of Jesus in our lives and that we crave these things that will help us to grow more like him. But living for Jesus costs us every day. It's a decision that we have to make every day. Um, Rick Warren in The Purpose Driven Life has talked a lot about um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and we'll read it together. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We need to let God reorder our minds to change the way we think. Um, Abby was meeting with a friend this week, and, and she's sort of fallen away from faith. And the opposite has happened for this person they have conformed their minds, their mind to the pattern of this world, and it's really interesting to see how their mind has been reordered to the values and the systems of the world rather than God's values. As Rick Warren has said multiple times in The Purpose Driven Life, a living sacrifice has to come back onto the altar again and again, and we as believers need to do this every day to let God transform us into His likeness to change the way we think about ourselves, 
to change the way we think about the world, to change the way we think about others, as Nigel has said, our money and the church. It's done practically through things called the spiritual disciplines, and Alistair talked about this earlier as well, through reading the Bible, through prayer, through fasting and solitude and silence, and through community as well, through the life groups that we're engaging with at the minute. It's doing the hard work of every day, deciding to follow Jesus and do the things that are help us to grow more like him. And I don't know about you, but a lot of the time I feel condemned in my walk with the Lord as I'm not reading the Bible enough or not praying enough. But I thought this morning that it's helpful to think about it more like a relationship. If you're in a relationship with someone, a friend or a, a, a husband and wife, if a husband doesn't speak to his, his wife, their relationship won't grow and develop. If he doesn't spend time talking to her, listening to her, serving her, and even being served by her, um, they won't get to know each other, and they won't grow in relationship. And in the same way, if we don't spend time with the Lord, we can't expect ourselves to grow in relationship with the Lord. And I don't know about you, but the more you spend time with people, the more you become like them. And in the same way, the more we spend time with God, the more we will become like him. I don't know what you're challenged to do this morning, but I challenge you to do something small, a small action that will change the way you live your life and help God to reorder your mind. Five minutes in prayer, read a psalm once a day, fast one meal a week and use that time to talk to the Lord. Turn off the TV once a week, um, one evening a week, instead of watching the TV, pray together or even just talk about the Lord. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, I just challenge you to do that. So we go on, and Peter uses a few different things to talk about us, the church. He says, a holy nation, so we are set apart from the world to do something differently than what the world's doing. That's verse 9. Verse 9 again, he says that we are a royal priesthood, and so we are given a royal authority from God, but also a priesthood, so we represent God to the world and a chosen race, that we are like Abraham called out from the rest of the world, that we are chosen by God to be his representatives here on earth. But the one I really want to sit with is living stones, that you and I are living stones for God. In verse 4, he says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Let's rest in this idea of, of living stones for a minute. Jesus is obviously the cornerstone of the church, and he is the one that we are all built into, but we're also called living stones here. And the image is something like the Old Testament temple being built up, as Nigel was um, quoting earlier, all the resources that were being given to it. And I think of the the Sagrada Familia in in Barcelona. It was begun construction in 1880 um, by Gaudi, and there are five different architectural styles used in the construction of that cathedral. It's been in construction for 140 years, um, and I think, I'm not sure it's quite finished yet or they're still finishing it, but certainly it's been in construction for a very long time. I just think of this image of living stones. Jesus is the cornerstone, and each of us, a different, vibrant color of stone is being built into this temple, and it's forever shifting and moving and changing as we move and grow together. As we think of the, the idea of keep on growing, that was what God was bringing to me this morning, that as we grow, we grow together, like this temple being built and shifting and moving and being lots of eclectic styles growing together, that we are God's temple. 
that the older people in the church need the younger people, and the younger people in the church need the older people, and all of us different living together become God's amazing temple. And so, like no more may, my garden is vibrant. It's got daisies and dandelions. It's also got weeds. It's a bit messy. Um, it invites animals to come and be part of my garden, and it's hard work. And so, the same way, this temple, it invites people to be part of our lives. It's a bit messy, and it's also a bit hard work, but we see God's amazing, vibrant life as part of our church. One of the great things about the Living Hope um, event that happened a few weeks ago, I don't know about you, is all of these things were present. We invited anybody from the community to come in and have a burger and have a bit of a chat. It was messy. If you were doing any of the kids' stuff, you were definitely getting covered in some paint and things, but it was messy for those involved in helping. It was messy for people coming in. It looked messy, but it was also vibrant and full of hospitality and fun. And I think that's what God is calling us into. I think, as I was thinking and praying about this, I feel like God is asking us to open up again, to open up our hearts, and to potentially open up our homes. Johnny was sharing with me this week, uh, there's a podcast about um, this guy who's written a book called um, Spiritually Vibrant Homes, and there's a bit of research done in America with thousands and thousands of families, and they were trying to figure out what does a spiritually vibrant home look like, and they found three correlations, three simple things. They talked about faith in the home regularly. They had spiritual disciplines, which just means they prayed together or they read the Bible together. You know, they gave thanks at dinner time or they prayed before bedtime. And the third thing was they exercised hospitality. They had people in and out of the house regularly, whether through um, whether they were Christians or non-Christians, people were eating dinner with them. Now, I, I'm not going to say to anyone specifically about what you um, feel like the Lord is calling you to do, because we're just after a pandemic. We've closed our doors for two years, and it's really hard to get back into opening up again. I don't think that God is asking us to give away the key to our house, but I do think He's asking us to give away the key to our hearts. As an introvert, um, a lot of times during the pand- pandemic, I really enjoyed the time away with family, with just a quieter time with people that we love. But I do feel like the Lord is asking me to come out of that and to be comfortable with inviting people into my life more. To schedule that into my week and into my life, whether that is taking somebody out for a coffee, whether that's having an ice cream with someone, inviting a different family onto a family trip, or um, even onto a holiday, or simply inviting people over for tea. Whatever that looks like, I think that we need to start extending hospitality to each other again. And particularly, I think of the families and the children and the youth in this church. You know, there are, there are young people who come to this church each week, and they don't like coming because nobody talks to them. And I think that's such a challenge for us as a church that everyone would come in and feel welcomed. But also families in this church who are just dying for help, dying for people to come alongside them and say, it's okay, I'll help give you a hand. But why am I talking about hospitality in a sermon about growing? Well, Rick Warren, on his first line of the book, I think it's so relevant to this. He says, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us together. Imagine if we came to church on a Sunday morning and we didn't think, I wonder what I'm going to get out of the worship or I wonder what I'm going to get out of the sermon. But if we came with the thought, I wonder what I can give, 
not necessarily just serving, although that's a really great um, thing, but also who can I be there for? Who can I spot at coffee time and have a conversation with? Who can I spot at coffee time and build a relationship with? I need you to help me to grow to be more like Jesus. I need you to challenge me when I'm getting it wrong so that I can, um, the blind spots in my life that I don't recognize that you can tell me how I can be more like Jesus. Like Jesus saying to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. I need you to tell me where I'm getting it wrong. I need you to encourage me and to tell me I'm doing okay when I'm doing okay. Like Paul telling um, the Philippians, every time I think of you, I give thanks to the Lord in my remembrance of you. I need you to hold my arms up when I just can't do it any longer. Like Moses in the desert when Aaron and her held up his arms so that the battle could continue. I need you to hold me up when I can't do it anymore. None of us can do this on our own. Like a coal um, set out of a fire will burn out on its own. Neither can we do this on our own. We need each other. Like this person Abby was talking to this week again, um, they've been hurt by church and they've pulled themselves out of church altogether because of two things, a lack of their own spiritual discipline in life, a lack of their own spending time with Jesus, and a lack of coming to a body and being part of a body, they've just completely walked away from the faith that, that we would believe. But we also need to be people who accept this hospitality. I was really challenged by this. I was writing this sermon in a cafe this week, and a member of the church came up to me. He was having a good chat with them. And just before they left, they said, um, can I get you a coffee? And I said, no, 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 no. Don't worry, no, don't worry, don't, don't worry. I don't need a coffee. That's okay, that's okay. And they left, and I thought, I'd really love a coffee. <laughs> I just thought about what I was going to be talking about this morning and the fact that God was offering me a bit of hospitality and I wouldn't accept it. And I think um, that's relevant for all of us as well, that the people are going to offer to help us and we need to be willing to accept it. Like that story of a man um, drowning at sea and he prays to God, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. A boat comes along and says, okay, we're here to rescue you. And he says, no, 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 don't worry. God's going to send me help. God's going to send me help. Don't worry about that. And the boat goes away. And another boat comes and says, we're here to help you. We're here to help you. And he said, no, 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 don't worry. God's going to save me. The man drowns and he goes to heaven and says, why, God, why didn't you save me? He says, I sent you two boats. I sent you two boats to save you. And in the same way, we need to accept people's help in our lives. Verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In um, Jesus' famous passage in John 15, he talks about the vine, that we are, that he is the vine and we are the branches, that if we're to grow to be more like Jesus, we need to be connected with him. And if we are connected with him, we will love him and obey him. And in John 13, he says that if you obey me, if you love me, the world will know that you love me by how you love each other. And in verse 11 and 12, it goes on to say this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. It says, wage war against your soul. These sinful desires wage war against your soul. We need to recognize that there is a war going on for our souls. In Ephesians 6, it says, For our strug strug struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand for God. There is a spiritual battle going on for your soul and the enemy wants you to fight alone. The image of Roman soldiers is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. And a Roman soldier would be fully kitted out with his armor and his big shield, which would be almost head height. And he would get down and there's a formation um, called, I think it's called the turtle, where the, the um, soldiers would put all their shields together and just completely surrounded by shields. But if one soldier doesn't have his brother beside him, then he has a blind spot and is, um, you know, is, is vulnerable to attack. And in the same way, I can put on the full armor of God, but if I don't have a brother and sister encouraging me in Christ or telling me where I'm getting it wrong, then I can't notice those things. And so we need to do this together, to put on the full armor of God and how we grow closer to Jesus in our self-discipline, but also to do it together. So Peter challenges us here to practice hospitality, whether in your home or in your life, whatever it is, you know your heart with God and where he's calling you to, to embrace the mess, embrace inviting others into your life, um, and embrace the hard work of doing it. Receive it as well. Receive God's gifts to you as people offer you their help, but also to fight this fight with the weapons of faith as you read scripture and pray and seek to do the hard work of growing closer to Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're calling us out of this building to share this hospitality with other people through the Living Hope um, Saturdays. God, thank you that you build us up to be a, a family like the Sagrada Familia, God, where we look different, where we are eclectic and, and built up into this one beautiful building. God, thank you that um, you show us our need of you and our need of each other. And forgive us where we seek to do this alone. God, help us to look out for those in need of help. God, help us to receive it as well. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you paid the ultimate price to welcome us into your family so that we may know you now and forever and that we may grow to be more like you here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.